Hey, my name's Tom Davis. My wife Hannah is the children's pastor. This is our new son, Nash. Thought I'd bring him up and just show you. He's legendary already. Look at his hair. Isn't he cute? Man. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, he's only seven weeks old. And so we have four kids, actually, ranging in age from 18, Kendall, our oldest, just turned 18, to little Nash, who just turned uh, seven weeks. Seven, yeah, seven weeks. It's kind of crazy. We have, uh, if you take the first names of all of the people in our family, Tom, Hannah, Abby, Kendall, Sam, I think there's a picture of our family up here, or will be in a minute. It makes up the word thanks, So, which was totally unintentional. That's why we went with an end name and ended with uh, Nash, named after Steve Nash. No, just kidding. <laughs> but my oldest daughter is named after Kendall Gill, famous, famous Seattle supersonic. Do we have that picture of the rest of the crew? Oh, there we are. There's Kendall, and there's Abby, and that's Sam, and Hannah and I. And then I think we have another picture of uh, Nashton, is his name. Nashton is super biblical. It means by the ash tree. <laughs> so, oh, there he is. Good grief. Man. Well, hey, thank you for coming to church today. Are there some Moody students? Moody starts tomorrow, I, I hear, right? So are there some, new, new, some Moody students back for church? Yeah? Yes. All right. Let's welcome the Moody students back. Welcome to Spokane. So, uh, as Jeff mentioned, I work at You for Christ. I'm the executive director there and have been for actually the end of my fourth year. It's coming up here in just a couple months and just feel really blessed to be at such an incredible ministry. I've been in the Spokane community a long time. I'm going to share with you a little bit of my story in a few minutes, but I just want to let you know that Kevin called me a couple months ago and asked if I could share today, August 19th, and I was a little apprehensive at first. It's a real honor to be asked, of course, but I almost want to say no because I'm right in the middle of my only two-week vacation of the year. So I had last week off, and I have this next coming week off, and and then here I'm talking today. And so when Kevin asked me two months ago, it didn't really feel much like a vacation to preach at church, although it was a real honor to be asked. And so I was this close to saying no. Because when I do talks, you know, I, I prep a lot and I pray a lot and, you know, just I put a lot of time and effort and energy into it. doesn't mean what I'm going to say is going to be good today. <laughs> but that's how I approach it. And so I, I almost said no, but he said, hey, it's on First John chapter 4. Verses 7 to 21. And I read it. <clears throat> and they're verses I've read before. But it's all about love. And something that uh, I'm, I'm really passionate about. And so I just feel like the Lord's saying, you need to do this. Even though it's the middle of your vacation, I want you to share uh, a message about love from First John. And so it's in that spirit that I really feel like uh, God has something to say to us this morning. So let me pray. I'm really thankful again for you to be here. You know, I think God just appointed you to be here today, and I really believe He's going to speak to us this morning. So let me pray, and we'll jump into 1 John chapter 4. Lord, thank you for everyone who's here today, for how much you love us. Um, God, for your Son, Jesus. Lord, we are just uh, humbled to be called Christians, to get to know you better, for you to love us, take us as we are. So, Lord, we just pray um, over this message. God, may you speak through me and... Uh, Lord, may everyone in this room be drawn closer to you today. Name me pray. Amen. By the way, there are some guests out there, I know. 
So welcome. I just want to re just say that welcome. I know there's people back there who are here for the first time. It's awesome to have you guys here. I get nervous every time I talk. I don't know what it is. I've been in quote-unquote full-time ministry for almost 13 years, and I still get nervous. So it's a weird deal. But I don't know why I share that with you. I just want to make you just feel nervous with me or something. So as I mentioned, we've been studying the book of 1 John over this entire summer. And the book of 1 John is really a fascinating book because John writes with a ton of candor, which I really appreciate. He doesn't really beat around in the bush. And he really calls Christians out in a lot of ways. And he really actually says to the readers of the book, hey, you may not be a follower of Jesus if you do certain things or if you're living a certain lifestyle. And I really appreciate that because I think we live in a culture in today's America where sometimes it's easy to live a watered-down version of Christianity. And sometimes, frankly, it's easy to claim that we follow Jesus when in actuality our life might be totally unlike anything Jesus would actually do. And John, throughout the whole book, repeatedly says, just calls us out. He says, for example, in John chapter 1, he says, if we claim um, that we walk in light, but we actually walk in darkness, we're liars. He says that if we claim that we're not sinners, that we have no place for God in our lives, because that's the whole purpose of God sending His Son Jesus, is so that we recognize that we are sinners and that we do have a need for him. He claims that if we don't obey his word, that in fact we really don't know the Father. And he keeps on going on. He says that if we claim to be Christians, that we need to love our brother. And that he says a lot of us don't really do that. And then if that isn't enough, he says if we love the world more than we love God, he says really the love of the Father isn't in us. And again, I just have to marvel at the candor of John just calling us out, saying, are you really a follower of God? Because the purpose of 1 John, in many ways, is to just reinforce this idea of if you're a Christian, you need to know that you're a child of God, and yet you are dearly loved by the King, and that you have a purpose and a plan for your life. And that's what 1 John is all about. He wants us to know that as a child of God, we are assured of our salvation. And so, let's jump into 1 John 4, 7-21, to 21, and then we'll unpack a few things about it. So if you have your Bibles or iPhone, how many people don't bring the Bible anymore, just use your iPhone or your Android phone? <laughs> Asia. Yes! I know, right? Okay, so, should be on the screen as well. Here's, here's John. By the way, John is referred to as the apostle whom Jesus loved. He actually walked with Jesus, so... Here's what he says. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. 
Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. Wow. Okay, what's the prevailing word in those 14 verses? Love. In the NIV, guess how many times he says the word love? 26 times he says the word love in 14 verses, which is incredible. I think what John is really trying to say to us is, when you are a child of God, you need to recognize that the single most important thing is to love God and to let God love you. If you can figure that out, then everything else in your life will fall into place. I love what Dallas Willard says, famous theology professor. He says, our highest calling and opportunity in life is to love Him with all our being. I love this quote so much because I love what Dallas is getting at here, that we have an opportunity to love God with all of our might and to let God love us. And then everything else in the Christian life, if we figure this idea out, should then rightly fall into place. So I want to explain what I mean by that. Excuse me. And I want to be really open and honest and share a little bit with you about how this is applicable in my own story. And so, um, and I hope it will speak to you a little bit. So I just want, I grew up in Spokane, went to Mead High School. Anyone else go to Mead High School? Yeah. 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 I don't have an unhealthy pride like some people like Kevin Longmire. (laughs) Kevin, I'm pretty sure, has his old Mead High School sweaty, stinky undershirt on right now as he's running that race. Kevin has an unhealthy pride in his high school. (laughs) But I love Kevin. If he were here, I would have said that. So I went to Mead High School, went to Northview Bible Church, which is a great church. My parents who are here this morning actually still go there, and it's a wonderful church. And I can't remember, though, growing up in my childhood a single time where I actually accepted Jesus. I just remember growing up feeling like I was a Christian. And then I think back to my high school days, and to be honest with you, when I look back at my high school days, uh, they weren't my shiningest moments as a Christian. I would say that I loved God, but I really oftentimes wasn't acting like I loved God. You know, whether that manifested itself in drinking sometimes or doing stupid things or swearing or, you know, whatever the case may be. I wasn't always living the Christian life that uh, I was probably called to live. And then I went to Washington State University after I graduated. I was supposed to get a bigger laugh than that. Anyone go to Wazoo in here? Yeah. Hey, we got some cougars in here. Well, not an easy place to be a Christian, at least for me anyway. I went there after I graduated high school, and my freshman year just was not a really great year for me. It was a struggle for me. Hannah and I um, were dating at the time, and we were in an inappropriate relationship with each other. And I'm just going to be really honest with you and share a little bit about that story. We had Kendall, uh, our oldest daughter, who you saw a picture of before we were married. And it's just part of our story. We, we've shared it at church before. We shared it at life service events, and it's just you know, a little bit part of our story. And it's part of how God has redeemed us and how he's used us and why I'm even talking here today. But, you know, during that year, my freshman year in college, you know, we had Kindle before we were married. 
I was in a fraternity and doing some stupid fraternity things that you can imagine we were doing. And it just wasn't a good time for me. And it was kind of a low point. But along the way, I knew that the right thing to do for Hannah and I was to get married and to really kind of reclaim our lives for Christ and to ask him to heal us and to forgive us. And so we did that. We got married right after my freshman year in college. And our our prayer was, you know, Lord, forgive us, heal our relationship, and, and, and make a right out of this wrong, so to speak. And God, true to his word, he does stuff like that. I mean, if we mess up and we confess that and we try to right the ship, the Lord will always stay true to his word, and he will always bless our efforts. And so he did. That doesn't mean we didn't have a season of trying to figure things out and hardship. We still did. But the Lord absolutely blessed us. And I think how we handled that situation, actually, um, the Lord was able to use in some really powerful ways. And so that freshman year was a struggle. We ended up getting married. And then one wintry day, my sophomore year in college, Hannah and I at this time found a church in Moscow, Idaho, a Nazarene church of, <laughs> of all places. And I'll never forget, it was in January, and the pastor did an altar call. I mean, he literally said, hey, if you're broken, if you have never accepted Jesus, if you want to accept him into your life, or you want to recommit your life to Christ, I want you to stand up, and I want you to come down on front. And I'm going to pray for you. And you can repeat that prayer, and for the first time, a recommitment. You can choose to follow Jesus again. And I was so broken. That was very out of character for me, very uncomfortable. I literally stood up, and I walked down to the front of the stage. And Pastor Dave prayed this prayer, and I recommitted my life to Christ that day. And that was really when I started for the first time to understand this idea of God's love and what it really means. As a matter of fact, I brought with me, this is kind of cool, this is something, Hannah framed it, but it was dated January 12, 1997. This is what I got the day that I recommitted my life to Christ. It's a lordship check paid to the order of Jesus. Yeah. And it says, I acknowledge God as my Lord and willingly consecrate my life and all my resources to be used for His glory. And then I signed it. And then Pastor Dave wrote me this really nice note. He said, Tom... I wanted to express my joy for you for your decision of recommitment this past Sunday. Your tender spirit will always be something God can use to speak to you. Please let me know if I can be of a boost to you. Hope to see you Sunday, Pastor Dave. And I save that. And then, for some reason, Hannah wrote in here, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. This is in my office. I look at it very, very frequently. So here I am newly married, just recommitting my life to Christ. And God started to really impress on my heart what it means to love Him. But I was kind of going through a season of confusion as it relates to being a Christian and how that really played out in my life. And what I mean by that is for the next several years, we went on to graduate in education. Uh, I was a teacher before I got into ministry and we ended up getting jobs over in Lake Stevens, which is about 30 minutes north of Seattle. And during this whole time of, you know, when I reached my life to Christ, and really up until we were teachers in Lake Stevens, which is, you know, a several-year time frame, I had this growing desire in my heart and in, and in my life to want to do something great for God. I really started to just really want to do something awesome for God. I felt like that was what it meant to be a Christian. 
is to do something great for God. Maybe some of you this morning are at that place where you're just like, man, God, I want to do something awesome for you, but I don't know what it is. You know, what is it? Well, I was at that place for a number of years, and I had all sorts of crazy ideas. I mean, if I were to tell you all the crazy ideas I had about what I felt it was uh, to do something awesome for God, you would probably laugh. But nothing ever actually played itself out. I never could find what it was, that, what that awesome thing that God wanted me to do was. What's interesting is as I look back in that time frame, I, I realized that I really wasn't investing my relationship with God. So I recommit my life to Christ, and then I want to do something awesome for God, but I wasn't really in, investing in that relationship with God. And I really wasn't simply just living in the love of God. I was trying to do other things first. In many ways, I was trying to put the cart before the horse. And so... Hannah and I found this church, finally, that we liked while we were teaching over in uh, the Lake Stevens area again, and we got involved in this in-depth Bible study class, a K. Arthur inductive Bible study. You ever heard of K. Arthur? She's, like, awesome. And this class was called Lord, I Want to Know You. I actually brought the book with me because it was that transformative of an experience for me. And during this class, it was, it was really cool because a lot of Bible studies, you go and you talk and you be social and that stuff's awesome. But at the same time, sometimes you just want to dig into the Word and you want meat, right? And this class was like that. You just dug into the Word. You didn't really talk to your neighbor as you weren't supposed to. It was all about you and God and just spending time with Him, doing homework throughout the week. And this class was a very simple idea about just getting to know God better. And every single week, we would go over a different attribute of God from... God the Creator, to God the Most High, to the God who sees, to the all-sufficient one, to the self-existent one. The Lord will provide. He will heal. And on and on. He's the Lord of hosts. He's my shepherd. He's there. He loves me. And what I learned through this class was that I had gotten my Christian walk a little backwards. I was trying to do something awesome for God while all God really wanted me to do was live in the love of Him. And so... What I had to do was I had to really let go of all of the great things I was trying to do for God because they were just all dead ends. I had to let go of that. And I learned through Scripture and this class in particular that my primary calling was to just be a child of God. What First John is all about. Just be a child of God. Just let God love you. Learn to love God. Stop putting all that pressure on yourself to do something awesome for God. That's not what it's about. So I finally got that. And that's what I did. I let go of all of this stuff. It became baggage, this idea that I had in my head of wanting to do something awesome for God. Because all you hear about in the Christian world, it seems like, are all these people who move to Africa and they do awesome stuff. Or they sell everything. And, you know, they're all these heroes of the faith. And you want to do all of this stuff. And you can never measure up. And, well, we're not supposed to measure up. We're simply just supposed to live in the love of God. So I finally figured out what that meant for my life. And here's what's cool. Once I figured that out, once I figured out that my primary calling is to really just let God love me and to love him back, guess what what happened? The Lord showed me what it was that I was supposed to do. Literally, once I figured out, once I let go of everything and just concentrate my relationship with him, the Lord showed it to me. I was teaching one day, and my vice principal came in and invited me to a Young Life fundraiser. Any of you heard of Young Life? It's a great youth ministry. Knew not much about it. So I went to this Young Life fundraiser, and I'll never forget. It was, like it was there yesterday. 
the area director was talking about how they wanted to start a brand new middle school club at the school where I was teaching. I was a middle school teacher, Jeff. I know it takes guts to do middle school, like you said. I'm crazy, I guess. I taught middle school math and science. And it was at this particular Young Life fundraiser where literally the Lord dropped on my lap this opportunity. And he said, this is the great thing I have for you now that you've figured out that you concentrate on me first, then I'll show you what it is I have for you. It was awesome. So I said, okay, Lord, I am ready now. I'm ready. So I started a brand new wildlife, which is what it's called. It's a middle school outreach club to, to middle school kids where the school where I was teaching. So I was teaching, and I was doing these outreach events with a, with a team of people, and we were taking kids to camp, and we were doing Bible studies, and kids were accepting Christ, and it was an amazing, amazing, amazing experience. Matter of fact, one of the kids who accepted Christ as a sixth grader, and this is like 12 years ago, actually goes to church here. I'm still walking with him. Another kid who accepted Christ, I fished at his wedding a couple years ago. Boy, that was a blessing to see a little squirrely sixth grader that you taught math to, you know, walk down the aisle with some gorgeous girl, and you're like, dude, what the heck? <laughs> you were just annoying me in class just a couple years ago. And I loved it. And so I would, for three years, be a teacher and a volunteer Young Life leader. And then after that time, I really felt like God was calling me to pursue Young Life full time. And so it's a long story. short story is, is we accepted an opportunity to move back to Spokane. And I became the area director of Spokane Valley Young Life, which was a position I held for uh, five years. Led Young Life with Shane at University High School. And I loved Young Life. I still do. It has a very special place in my heart. And then after about three years on Young Life staff, I really felt as I, I went back for another master's degree in theology and I just learned more about you know, what God cares about. And, and I just couldn't overlook the fact that Jesus repeatedly cares for the overlooked and the, the hurting and the poor and the destitute. And so I really wanted to emerge my life kind of in that kind of setting. And so I would start driving around these low-income neighborhoods looking for uh, a place where we could relocate to live among more broken people or so I thought to do ministry. But Hannah wasn't super keen on the idea of living in a trailer park. <laughs> so, again, that's another long story, and I won't go into all of the details there, but I will say that the Lord uh, called us to sell our house in the suburbs and move to West Central and join the staff of Youth for Christ to work with kids who are, by and large, living in poverty and who have some severe uh, neglect and abuse and issues that they deal with. They're beautiful kids, but they have a lot of issues that they deal with. And so that's what we did. We now live in West Central, and like I mentioned, I've been on staff for four years, and I've loved it. And, and I, ho- I hope you get from what I'm saying, too, that no matter what ministry you're part of, whether it's Young Life or YFC or Global Neighborhood or whatever it is that God calls you to do, it doesn't have to even be a formal organization. I mean, hopefully you're doing ministry where you, where you are. It's not about the organization. I mean, it's about, you know, Jesus, about loving other people, about loving God. So I'm not about an organization. I'm just about what the Lord wants me to do through however way that he wants me to do it. And so I want to bring this up to you because I think it's important for us this morning, as John talks about love so much repeatedly in 1 John, that we get this straight. And, and really what I'm hoping to do with sharing that story that I just shared with you is I'm hoping for some of you that there's a burden that's off your shoulders. Is really what my prayer has been for this. This is why I wanted to do this talk this morning, was to tell you that if you are burdened with wanting to do something great for God, 
you do not have to be burdened for that, from that any longer. All the Lord really wants you to do is simply learn to live in His love. Know that He loves you. That's all the Lord wants from you. In return, simply learn then to love God. That's it. It's really simple. I've been in ministry long enough now to know that we as Christians overcomplicate the Bible so much. We almost over-theologize it. Is that a word? We almost have too much theology. And it's a real simple story. It's, the Bible is essentially, it's just a love story. When we work with broken kids, we just tell them, hey, Daniel, this right here is a love story written from God to you. It tells you how much, Daniel, God loves you. He loves you enough that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, to forgive you of your sins. What do you think about that? That's it. That's what it's about. And we overcomplicate this thing. I don't know why we do that. So how do we do this? How do we learn then? If, if, if we're called to, to you know, get rid of this burden that we're feeling on us, we have to do something awesome for God, how do we then learn to live in the love of God? Well, I think it does take some action steps on our part. Notice what I did. I got involved in an in-depth Bible study, right? So my, my uh, sort of challenge for you, if that's where you find yourself, and some of you are at a different place, I recognize that, but some of you are here or I would, I would challenge you to find a Bible study or get involved in a small group or get up early to read Scripture or find a book about just knowing what it means to love God and being loved by God. Find a mentor. Talk to someone at New Community staff and just say, hey, you know, I wanted to just invest my relationship with God. Can you point me in a direction of how I can do that? And then just live there for a while. Live in a season of simply loving God and letting God love you. And then I promise you, if that's truly your heart's motivation, the Lord will show you exactly what it is that he wants you to do. I had a whole section in here about loving your brother and your sister, your Christian fellow people. And it just, I rewrote this talk like four times. That's just such a, it's just important to know. I mean, that's a whole nother like series about what it means to love your brother or sister. But, but I will say this, that um, if we kind of live in that space of just loving God, and as we then at the appropriate time sh- is sh- are shown by the Lord that ministry that we're supposed to jump into or whatever we're supposed to do with our life, at that point, you know, John in the letter calls out that, hey, we have to practice what we preach. In other words, we can't be, you know, saying we're all about loving other people when we're hating our brother or hating our sister. I mean, we're getting it backwards. And I love, again, John's candor in this letter. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, Non-believers watch us closely. And unfortunately, and I'm just going to call it like it is, a lot of us uh, are into things that the the non-believers are into. And so when we try to share Jesus with them, you know, our lives don't look much different. And one of the ways John calls out is, you know, a non-believer might look at us or even a believer might look at us and say, well, how, you really follow Jesus when you are saying such horrible things about your fellow Christian? And I think John is getting at the idea of, hey, you need to learn to love one another. At YFC, we do everything in teams. We have a club team. We have a drop-in team. We have a staff team. We've got a board of directors. I mean, everything is in teams because we believe that 
it's important for the kids that don't know Jesus, when they see the team loving each other, that just draws them closer to God. I think it's the same idea there. Christian love requires that we both love God and love one another. I want to end with a video. And there's some, some more stuff, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll end it here. I want to end with a video um, that we made for a Youth for Christ banquet a couple years ago. And the video is just scripture after scripture about love and just how much God loves us. And I just want you to sit there and just, and just read and let the Lord speak to you this morning. And again, my prayer for um, us in this room today is that we just need to learn to live in Him, learn to live in God. And then if we do that, everything else will kind of fall into place. And then after the video is shown, Shane's going to come back up with the band and lead us in a time of communion. And I do have to say before the video is shown that Shane's on YFC staff as well, so you have like a full like meal deal today. He leads our efforts in Hilliard, reaching out tough kids in the Hilliard neighborhood, and he just absolutely kills it. And I love Shane to death and feel so honored to be a part of his life. And so it's a blessing for him and I to kind of take team this morning together. Uh, you'll notice, too, that this video, we made it for a YFC banquet, so you'll notice there are some pictures in there intermixed of some of our kids and, and uh, some of the ways that we love each other at Youth for Christ here in Spokane. But my prayer, beyond YFC, obviously, is simply that the Lord will speak to you through it in some way, and that when you go home today, dig into the Word and just learn to love God better. Thank you so much. Let me pray, and then we'll show that video.